unfiltered, uncensored, and unapologetic. This is the Retail War Zone Podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about policies that the government kind of puts in place and how they affect retail, uh, whether it be, you know, stores suffering because of supply chain issues or even your health benefits, price increases, uh, the effect that some of it had on, you know, jobs or whatnot. Hey, Irish. And kind of do a dive into that. Uh, This was Mad Dog's idea. So um, I did some research today. What we'll do is I'll go through some slides that I prepared to kind of give everybody an idea of where we're going. And after the slides, then we'll kind of break it up and go into what we're talking about. Mad Dog, say hello. Hello, everybody. Sweet. All right. So let's go ahead and get started. First thing we're going to cover is basically fiscal policies. And as it says right here, this is from Investopedia, how does government regulation impact the retail sector? The retail industry includes many different subsectors ranging from groceries to clothing to furniture and beyond. Each of them faces its unique regulatory challenges, although all retailers are affected by nationwide labor and positions such as minimum wage and overtime pay laws. As with all industries, government regulation adds compliance costs and possible legal liabilities to the retail sector. So the next little block These are, you know, this is really the biggest thing. You know, taxes is not technically considered a regulation, but is generally held that retailers pay the highest corporate tax rate in the United States. This is because retailers have virtually no obvious tax loopholes and very dispersed lobbying interests. Additionally, most brick-and-mortar retailers are charged state sales taxes, while Internet-based retailers are not. This has been an enormous advantage to companies such as Amazon and a major cost to the Walmarts of the world, though there have been recent legislative efforts to force digital businesses to pay sales taxes as well. So there's the first little part. Uh, Next, how do fiscal policies impact the retail business? Um, This is from cron.com. Consumer demand. Tax-related fiscal policy affects retail businesses by changing the amount of disposable income people have to spend. Higher taxes or an expansion of taxable items lowers consumers' net income, making them more budget-conscious and apt to limit expenditures to necessities. Lower taxes leave more money in consumers' pockets to spend on goods and services retailers offer. Fiscal policy that involves government spending and adds to the federal deficit can lead to higher interest rates. This can increase the cost of credit and mortgages that may make consumers think twice about purchases. It also may encourage them to save, leaving less of their take-home pay for trips to the store. Uh, You also have the cost of doing business. When fiscal policy results in higher interest rates, retailers pay more for lines of credit. Higher interest rates, when they attract foreign investors, raise the value of the U.S. dollar, which gives retailers more purchasing power when buying merchandise from foreign suppliers in their local currency. Because the retail industry imports nearly 98% of clothing sold in the United States, fiscal policy can influence a retailer's operating cost. Taxes also affect retail business expenses as well. Fiscal policy that increases the employer portion of wage taxes for Social Security and Medicare add to the cost of doing business as well. The federal government uses fiscal policy, taxation, and government spending to steer the economy in the right direction by increasing or decreasing the demand and availability of goods and services. Fiscal policy can encourage investment, create jobs, and pave the way for long-term economic growth. For retail businesses, fiscal policy affects consumer demand, the cost of doing business, investment decisions, and the ability to compete. So we got that. 
So that's kind of a little basic rundown, you know, of what, you know, the fiscal policies are. And then you get into the bigger stuff, which really affects the people that are working on the front lines, which is basically the trade war. So this is from uh, the 24th of June. Uh, U.S.-China trade dispute harms Americans. So the United States exports to China consistently support around 1 million American jobs. The trade war of the last three years have given us a small window into a future in which the United States and China deliberately erode their commercial relations, and the emerging picture is not pretty. At its peak, the trade war cost the United States about 245,000 jobs and $108 billion lost in GDP according to a study by Oxford Economics. And keep in mind, this was before COVID-19 drove millions of Americans to file for unemployment. So this is before all that mess started. When the Biden administration talks about a trade policy for the middle class, it must acknowledge the jobs that depend now on foreign trade and those that will in the future. A study by Trade Partnership Worldwide suggests that 21 million American jobs along the value chain, including transportation, final assembly, wholesale, and retail, are associated with imports. Imports from China comprise 19% of all U.S. goods imports in 2020. These jobs include assembly and trucking, as well as marketing, selling, and accounting. So, one thing to throw out there is talking about trucking. There are places out there right now that are having problems getting drivers and getting merchandise sent to the stores. So, all of this, you know, kind of snowballs. The trade war is about to hit retail hard. This is actually from September of 2019 from Bloomberg. Now, this was right before the pandemic really took off. So if you throw the pandemic in with this, you know, with what we're about to go over, it just shows you how it magnified this problem. So on September 1st of 2019, there was a 15% tariff that went into effect uh, on about $112 billion worth of goods imported from China. What that did is it started pushing up prices of clothing, shoes, and other consumer goods arriving at U.S. ports. One of the key things here that I thought was interesting was how retailers did some funky stuff to make up for that. So the fourth block down, prices for washing machines jumped about 12% more than those of comparable goods after the levies were imposed, which might have suggested that stores and suppliers were taking some of the pain rather than passing the full 25% cost on to consumers. Well, that wasn't true. There was a telling exception, though. The price of dryers rose by about the same magnitude despite the fact that they weren't affected by the tariffs. In other words, retailers were splitting the extra cost between two similar products in an attempt to minimize the apparent rise in prices. As a result, shoppers are unlikely to see markup racks with prices raised on account of trade war tags on them. Instead, watch out for harder to pin down increases in categories where individual chains have pricing power as well as weakening of gross margins, cost sharing with Chinese vendors, and efforts to shift parts of the supply chain to other countries so they did a little sneaky stuff and something that wasn't you know affected by the tariffs they split the difference and jacked the prices up on those to make it look like oh well you know we didn't boost the prices 100 percent on the stuff that is affected hey look at us but they kind of underhandedly <laughs> raised prices on other things to make up for it so the last little part we're going to go over is something that Mad Dog brought up, health benefits. And all of this kind of comes into play as well. So here's why your workplace health insurance is so expensive. This is from 2019, 
All right. So the key points here really are average total health spending for a family of four with workplace coverage hit 7,726 in 2018, a 67% increase from 10 years ago. Expenses have also gone up for employers who spend an average of 15,000 in premiums to cover a family of four. Medical coverage costs have outpaced wage growth. We keep talking about that a lot. Families' costs are up 67% compared to a decade ago, while wages have only increased 26%, according to the foundation. Now, there's one little block at the very bottom on the left that really is the crux of this. Insurance companies get a lot of heat for raising deductibles and premiums, but if you look at what's driving healthcare costs year to year, it's the price of healthcare, the cost of a doctor's visit, the cost of a hospital stay. That's really what's making those premiums and deductibles go up each year. So it's because the medical machine are raising those prices. And one thing that they did is... When they polled people, they realized most employees don't make that much money anyway, and they were paying, they they were getting the cheapest insurance, which the cheapest insurance has the highest deductible. Well, going back to insurance companies are a racket, what did the insurance companies do? They realized that's what they were doing. So what did they do? They jacked the prices up on the high deductible plans. So the last little thing here that we're going to go through uh, before we get into the discussion is healthcare costs on the rise for retail employees. And this was actually from 2018. It says uh, retail employees are taking on more health plan costs, according to a study by Benefit Focus, a cloud-based benefits management platform. The report revealed that high-deductible health plans are becoming more prevalent and more expensive. Employers offering least one high-deductible plan increased from 55% in 2016 to 76% in 2017. The study also noted that more employers are offering voluntary benefits to supplement coverage. So in the other findings, 40% of employees elected the high deductible plans. That's because it's cheaper. Premiums for high deductible plans are rising with the average annual employee contribution for a single coverage plan rising to 1147 from 980 since 2016. What employers in every industry have in common is the struggle to economically provide the best plans and care for their employees. The report data shows how benefits have grown horizontally, expanding to more voluntary products far beyond traditional medical insurance. And then the last little thing here I found interesting Uh, The article is six federal policies that fall short of supporting working families. And number one was the Family and Medical Leave Act, or FMLA. Now, I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but the second paragraph, uh, however, unpaid leave doesn't fully meet the needs of many working families. Families are forced to choose between being with their new baby or sick relative and putting food on the table or paying the bills. Half of workers who take leave through FMLA return to work not because they are ready, but because they can no longer afford unpaid time off. So, you know, this is something that, you know, they touted was such a good thing. But you got people coming back from FMLA because they've got to make a decision between whatever health situation they have and, and making money. So that's kind of like the little bit of a rundown to kind of give you a roadmap of where we're going. So Mad Dog, what would you like to start with? Well, we we can kind of finish up the the insurance part of it since that's kind of where you ended and we'll go back to the other. But kind of talking about the the FMLA part, and this all goes back to... And again, I am not bashing Affordable Health Care Act because it did help a lot of people. Correct. But what that did 
was that gave employers because they were then forced to offer benefits, especially to full-time employees. So, okay, we're forced to do that. We're going to buy the the shittiest insurance we can. But what we're also going to do is we're going to cut the number of full-time employees that we have. Everybody's part-time. So then what happens is when they're part-time, they're no longer earning PTO. So that kind of rolls into that FMLA. So when you're not earning PTO and your only option to secure your position is to take 12 weeks of unpaid time, you you can't live like that. No. And and the point you bring up that, that was pretty much blanket across the board <clears throat> was when the Affordable Care Act started, most retailers did exactly what you said. They eliminated full-time positions so they didn't have to mess with it. They didn't have to offer shit to the majority of their workforce. And the ones that were getting things offered to them were just, the benefits were sky high. I mean, there's, you know, we've talked about this before. You get a promotion or you get made, you know, full-time from part-time and you're like, well, hot damn, I can get insurance. And then you look at it, you're like, well, no, because if if I do this, then I'm, I'm making less than what I was making to begin with. And, and, the, and the quality of benefits are awful. Oh, it's horrible. It is horrendous. Um, you know, I I am single, don't have kids, so it's just me. My health care cost is ridiculous for it not to cover a damn thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, you know, sick a couple weeks ago, was in and out of the doctor's office and urgent care. And finally, they just told me, they said, there's nothing we can do for you. You're going to have to go to the emergency room. Yep. That's going to be about a $2,000 bill that I'm going to get. Um, right. I had to have tests done on my kidneys because I'm diabetic. My insurance covered $27 of it. Yeah. And see, so I got a $1,750 bill. Yeah. You, they covered $27 <laughs> of it. You pay X amount every two weeks, you know, premium for, for basically to go broke. I mean, really, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, there shouldn't be some charges incurred, but you know, if we're going to keep tap dancing, you know, with this mess, you might as well, you know, make it free government health care because what you're paying for isn't all that good anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, what's, what's no. the difference? Yeah. And, to turn around and, and it'd be better for you to just go to the emergency room. Yeah. Because at least there, they will run a test. They will figure something out. But you go in a doctor's office and it's like going to a used car lot. Mm -hmm. And all they want to do is push the next thing. Okay, you need to take this. You need to get this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And my my medicine expenses were up to almost $250 a month. And I said, no, I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, because I mean, you know... There should be some sort of responsibility, you know, for, you know, a retail corporation to make sure their employees are taken care of. And, you know, providing them with shit benefits is, is not the way. And, you know, and there again, these retailers, they'll, they'll use these programs like it's some big thing. And all it is is plausible deniability. It's like, oh, okay, you got an issue. You can take FMLA. Knowing you're not going to get paid for it, you know, yep. but, they, but they throw it out there like it's this, this great thing. You know, and then well, well, like, and the other part of that FMLA is here's the kicker. 
Because you remember, we had one at the home store. And mm-hmm. when she went out, the only thing that that FMLA allows you or promises you is that you will have a position when you get back. Correct. Not the same position. Correct. They can, The company can choose to say, okay, well, in your absence, we needed a key holder because you were gone. So now you can come back, but you're going to come back at a part-time position and making $8 an hour. Yeah, exactly. So th- there's this government program that, that they like to tout, but there's no protection to the employee no. whatsoever. A, you don't, you're not getting paid. B, your job is not being held for you. Your position. No. Yeah. I you mean, have, it's you have a job, but not, it might not be your, the position that you went out on. Right. Yeah. And Hero says it's more affordable to get full coverage insurance for three cats than just in case high deductible insurance for one human. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Because the Affordable Care Act, if you don't carry insurance, when it comes tax time, you get penalized. Yeah. And and what sense does that make? (laughs) I would rather, I honest to God, would rather take the $200 or $500 penalty because right now I'm paying $2,000, over $2,000 a year for insurance that does me no freaking good. Correct. When you can go to an, um, to an urgent care and pay 50 bucks a pop out of pocket if there's something seriously wrong. I very rarely go to the doctor. Well, another thing, you know, Russell just put in the chat, plus you have to use any and all PTO before it goes into effect. Correct. So you've got to blow whatever. I mean, if it's an emergency emergency situation, you you have to blow all that. I mean, there is no benefit whatsoever to any of it. No. You know, and, and what you brought up last last week about Cobra. Yeah. I mean, that's enough to make you just want to shoot yourself in the face. Well, Cobra will make you homeless. <laughs> because it's it's about four times the amount of what you were paying for your insurance before. It's like a loan shark. It is like a buy here, pay here. And they charge you, you know, 137% interest or something crazy. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then hero just posted and God forbid you don't have insurance and find out you have the big C. Correct. I mean, and and that's the thing, you know, human life has in, in this country has a price tag put on it. Correct. And that to me, you know, you talk about, you know, the, the Hippocratic Oath and stuff like that. That seems all counter counterproductive. You know, it's like, you know, you've made this oath to save lives, but oh, only if you can pay. Well, I don't I don't know if any of y'all have been to the emergency room lately, but after four visits to the doctor and or urgent care and I was told, um, there's nothing else we can do. Go to the emergency room. When I was in the emergency room, in the room that I was in, there is a sign that says you have a right to be treated, whether you have insurance or not, where you, whether you have the ability to pay or not, you have the right to treatment. Correct. But here's the bad thing is you went through, what'd you say, three different occasions before you wound up in the emergency room. It's not like you get a refund. It's not nope. like it's not like the doctor's visit didn't work. Here, here's your money back. Nope, that's gone. Yeah, I can't. Yep, can't return it. Uh, Irish says, I'll be honest, I thought I had it bad. You guys should not have to pay that kind of money on a retail salary for healthcare. Yeah, but we do. <laughs> we do. Yep. And, um, uh, and it's by law now mm-hmm. that you have to have insurance. It's the law. 
Yeah, but and and the insurance they offer you still shit. It's shit. So I was like, I'm going to get rid of my company paid insurance this year because it's not doing anything for me. So I went to the marketplace, but because I have a job and I can get insurance through my job, they actually jack the price of the insurance on marketplace up. So for myself, it was going to be almost $400 a month. Mm-hmm. Maiden, if I and got it out on my own. Well, Maiden just uh, posted something really pro, you know profound. She says, I work on the opposite side of that, where I see now that there is government and state funding that's set aside for those who are uninsured and meet a certain criteria who can get free health care. So clearly, having people pay reasonable rates is an, an unrealistic thing if we're already offering free health care to many, many people. Correct. 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 <clears throat> And I did my, when I was in college for, and I went to a school and, and I have a degree in the medical field, I'm not a doctor or anything, but within the medical field. And I dealt, what I learned about was insurance and coding and things like that. And I did an internship at a place where if you, if you meet certain criteria, like you can't get insurance, you don't qualify for this, you don't qualify for that. It's those people that fall through the cracks of these programs and we actually would sign them up and we would connect them with physicians because physicians have to do so many pro bono cases per year Correct. to keep their medical license. Yep. So we would sign these people up and give them this little card that they were from this program and they could go to the doctor. But here I am working. I pay for insurance. But by the time I pay for insurance and, you know, pay my bills, I can't fucking afford to go to the doctor. Nope. And, and I'll be honest with you. I'm one of those don't go to the doctor people and I'm going to get into some like survivalist kind of stuff here. So I'm not crazy because because this, this really is real. So all of us as adults, we, you know, we become accustomed to what kind of sicknesses and ailments we get. You know, we'll yes. know most of the time, okay, well, I need, I need an antibiotic you know, a cycle of antibiotics, but you can't go to the doctor. All right. Cause it costs too much. Well, I was reading some survivalist guide or something like many, many, many years ago and came across the wonders that are fish antibiotics. And I'm like, what is this? And so come to find out you can order online, which I have done just about any antibiotic that you need from a veterinary supply, uh, straight up cash, um, and what you find out is the reason they call it fish antibiotics is because you get the capsule and you open the capsule and you pour the stuff into the aquarium, right? Well, it's the exact, it, it's the exact same antibiotics that people get at the doctor. And I know this because, uh, because I purchased, I purchased, I think it was, uh, God, what was it? Um, I don't know. Clindamycin. I, yeah. I bought some clindamycin and it was like 20 or 30 pills. It costs like $30, right? Because I've got bad teeth and, and from time to time I'll get abscesses. All right. Yeah. And so I got it on a whim just to see. And then I pulled it, pulled a pill out and then I looked it up and then you can go online and you can put in like the code that's on the side of the pill and it shows you where you can get it. Well, I put the code on the side of the pill and what does it show me? Walgreens, CVS, Walmart, all these pharmacies, 
it, it shows you where it's made. It's it's the exact same antibiotic that humans take, the same dosage, whole nine yards. And you can get a whole bottle of it for like thirty bucks. You can, get, you, can, you can get zit, you can get zithromycin. And and you know, it's and it's amazing. Because well, you know, I'm not, I'm not a go to the doctor person either. If it wasn't for me feeling like somebody was stabbing me in my brain behind my ear, because you know, I and for the most part, I'm I'm healthy. But that got me, and I was down for two weeks. But it and it did. It took four visits to the doctor and then a trip to the emergency room. Oh, and by the way, the eardrops that they prescribed me were a hundred and eighty dollars with my insurance. Wow. Speaking of which, before the, the, it gets off the screen and I miss it, Irish gave an example. He said three years ago, because he was an idiot, he sliced himself open with a box cutter, got a few stitches in the emergency room. It cost him $100, and his current employer refunded him the money that he paid. That shit ain't happening here. <laughs> no. Hell no. No. And if you get seriously hurt enough at work... You have to go, you have to get sent. So like when I slipped on black ice in the parking lot of the decor store mm -hmm. and popped my hamstring, I got sent to the emergency room, but not before I had to stay on the phone for 45 minutes to mm -hmm. get my case number and do all this. And then I had to take a drug test. Yep. Irish, that's something, I don't know if you guys have it there. So we have workman's comp compensation claims. So if you get hit on, you hurt on the job. But but here's the here's the kicker to that. If you get hurt bad enough on the job, nine times out of ten, the company they'll pay for your shit, but they'll buy you out. They don't want you back. They won't bring you back. Right. You know, they'll they'll offer you a settlement to say, you know, you can't talk bad about us, but we you're not working for us anymore. That's how it is over here. Um Iron Maiden. I worked with a guy that swore by that stuff. Because it's real. Trust me, I know. It, it, you 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 could do it. Go go buy a bottle. Get get you some amoxicillin. When you get it, I mean, amoxicillin for me cures it all. Correct. If I got you, it, amoxicillin will handle it. Bottle of amoxicillin will cost you twenty five dollars for thirty pills. See, and I'm paying almost over two thousand dollars a year for insurance. I can't use. Yeah, That's amoxicillin is a cheap. See, the key to it is though, and, and the reason they don't like this is because people will abuse it. Because you know, if you take too many antibiotics, your body will build an immunity. But if right. you're an, if you're an adult and you know you've got something that you've had before, and the doctor prescribed you amoxicillin, and you had to take you know like two tablets a day for five days, well, that's what you do. <laughs> you know, you right. don't take one every day for like thirty days. I'm not trying to get high on. <laughs> on antibiotics right really and, not trying to do it and they're fantastic i mean and and you talk about a, an affordable way to to have that you know and i mean and, i know i know that it's a struggle for me being single no kids and it's a struggle for me i cannot imagine it being a family of four. Oh, it's outrageous and kids, and kids get everything and you know and I mean, I could go off on a tangent and schools are ridiculous. Oh, if it's green snot, they can't come. If it's a, anything over 90, you know, 98, six, they can't come. You have to take them to the doctor. Are y'all in bed with each other or something? <laughs> Irish, you'll love this. So when I was at the decor store, family of four, my insurance premium every two weeks was almost, well, for a month was almost, I was paying almost a thousand dollars a month. 
Just for the insurance. Just for the insurance. A thousand dollars a month. And that was and that was high well, it wasn't the highest deductible, but it wasn't the lowest one. It was like right in the middle. And the insurance wasn't all that great, <laughs> from what I understand. No, and with them, uh primary care visits were what, fifty bucks a pop? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you gotta pay your your copay, fifty bucks a pop every time you go to the damn doctor. Yeah. And, and, and there again, I mean, it, you know, part of it would be okay is if, if you're paying it and that's fine. But if at the end of the year, you got some sort of rebate, you got something back. Cause let's say you went a whole year with family insurance and you didn't use it, you know, right. so you pay a thousand dollars a month for 12 months. That's 12 grand. That's gone. You yes. can, you're never getting back. Yes. Um, hero said for the kids to go once a year for a checkup, it was a hundred dollar copay each. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, you know, so all that great money you're making <laughs> just goes away. You, is it, you, you do not get ahead at all. Well, and again, okay, so, you know, say you're making 50 grand a year. You're paying $1,000 a month in insurance. That's before taxes. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to start taking taxes out. Oh, yeah. You know, and then if you're any sort of a responsible adult, which I incur- currently am not, you're <laughs> putting into your 401k for retirement. So by the time you get your check, you could have gone and flipped burgers at McDonald's and made this and brought home the same damn amount. Right. Exactly. And that's why the argument that $15 an hour is not a living wage because it's not. <clears throat> I think honestly, you know, if, if healthcare was truly affordable and you got what you paid for, um, for a full-time employee, you know, a livable wage. I mean, when you, like I've said before, when you look at how, you know, prices and everything increase versus wages, we're at a point now where about 25 bucks an hour is about what somebody needs to, to, and I'm not saying being rich. I mean, just living, you know, to where they don't feel like they're drowning, <laughs> you know, I'm, for me. And I think Russell brought this up the last time. Um, but I feel like if we were, like Canada, yes, is their gas more expensive? It is. But what that pays for is universal fucking health care. Correct. There's all sorts of ways around it. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it all comes down to money. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, you could eliminate income tax by, you know, doing the fair tax thing. You get rid of income tax completely, all right? And so people would have more money in their pocket. And, yes, there would be taxes on goods and services to make up for that. But the kick to that is and the one thing people refuse to to understand and wrap their minds around is okay you have a lot of people complaining about immigration and you've got people making cash uh, under the table and they're not paying into all the systems and whatnot well guess what if you eliminate if you eliminate income tax and you put taxes on services and goods across the board guess what everybody pays right and if you're not taking 17% 17% of their pay, they mm-hmm. have money to go out and spend. Right. I mean, we're paying into a social security system that we know by the time we claim it, it's going to be gone. We're going to get it. Yeah. We're never going to get it. Iris, Iris just said, I joined this community to vent about retail. I have to admit, you guys need changes a lot more than we do. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, yeah, it's bad. And okay. that, that's kind of why, why I wanted to bring up these topics because... Again, this is all a trickle-down effect. Mm-hmm. You know, these, granted, we are not governed, retail is not governed the way it should be. 
No, it's not. It's not regulated. It's not controlled the way that it needs to be. It's a free for all. It is. But, and, you know, all of healthcare, the imports, all of that is regulated by government, which affects us. Correct. And then with that trickle down, you know, like you get to someone like me who I had somebody come in my store the other day and said, why is everything made in China? Because you won't pay what it would cost to produce here. Well, okay. So let's go ahead and, and get into to like the China thing and, and whatnot. And I want to give my spiel on this, okay? There came a time where American products screamed quality, okay? They really did. But I think the automotive industry proved, especially Japanese makers like Toyota, that if you came to me, say, in the 50s or 60s and said, you have a choice between like a Chevy, a Ford, or, you know, some import, you know, Asian car, I would have picked an American car. But now we're at a position where I would be hard pressed to pick an American vehicle. Why? Correct. Because the craftsmanship's not there. The longevity is not there. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I wouldn't, unless I just had, you know, disposable income and I just wanted sports cars, I'll never buy another American vehicle ever again. So you've got these, the same people that come in and complain why everything is from China don't want to complain about the lack of, you know, quality control in American goods. For instance, we'll, we'll talk about guitars. All right. You know, I, I'm a musician. For years, the whole thing was if you got an American made instrument, it was the, the creme de la creme. It was the best you could get. But now, after working in that industry and seeing the quality control on these three, $4,000 guitars that come through that are big brand names, and being able to pick up a guitar that's made, let's say, in South Korea, that's a quarter of the price, that is built just as well, plays just as well, sounds just as good, tells you all you need to know. There, There's a cost differential, unfortunately, with American-made goods where I think there's an arrogance that feels like we should be able to charge more for you know, an American product. No, you shouldn't. You know, you'd sell more if it was cheaper, for one thing. And But see, then to me, that goes back to all of, so again, things overseas, we have no control over the regulations. No, so, we do not. You know, they, they are making less than slave wage. Correct. We, you know, greedy corporations are taking advantage of that. I know. But to have production here again <clears throat> brick and mortar you've got to have the building you've got to have the land you've got to buy it right you have to then provide insurance you know and all of these things that americans expect and is their right to have you know a, a living wage you know affordable health care and they do not want to pay it. You're correct. And, and you you just nailed it right there. Okay, so you're correct. We have no say-so what goes on in these sweatshops and factories overseas. And I have yet to see a front-page expose, 
holding every retailer in the United States accountable for supporting poor work conditions because they refuse to pay at least decent wages and things like that here to have things produced in this country. They're willing to take it. I mean, this country can talk about how bad communism is all day long, but they are bought and sold by communist China. And, you know, it's, you know, they have no shame in that. They, they, you know, and no one's holding these retailers accountable for it. Nobody's standing up and and it's all of them. Like you got Jesus, Jesus's craft store who thinks, you know, they're, they're, you know, the Lord's retailer. Well, they're taking advantage of the cheap wage labor too. I mean, and no one's holding these corporations feet to the fire on it, you know, because Karen's and Kyle's just want their trinkets from China. They don't give a damn that they've got some six-year-old kid over there working in a sweatshop 12 hours a day for like 10 cents a day or some shit. People dying on manufacturing lines (laughs) and bam, there you go. And then what happens when you have a global pandemic, you have become dependent on these countries and then the supply chain folds. And guess what? You don't have a backup plan. Your business fails. No, and the and the same ones who who bitch and moan about why is everything made in China when we couldn't get product, yeah, because there was nothing coming over. Correct. They're the same ones bitching. Well, why don't you have anything? Mm-hmm. And the amount of people that complain that you know, let, let's just say, for instance, you know, we'll we'll use something simple. We'll, we'll just say like a toaster. All right, so you can get a toaster that's made in China you know, under inhumane circumstances and you can buy it for five bucks or you can buy an American toaster. That's 10 that the company is actually taking care of their employees, make sure they have health care. You know, they pay them an adequate wage or whatnot, but it's 20, but well, no, but we'll we'll just say it's 10. All right. People aren't going to pay that extra five. No. So they're supporting the entire thing that they want to complain about. Correct. You know, and 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 that and and that's kind of what I'm what I'm talking about is like, you know, things have been hard to get. I don't know if anybody's tried to go and get a deep freezer, but they've been back ordered for a year now mm-hmm. because we can't get the parts over. Correct. Here. So the same ones who are why is everything made in China are now why are the prices of everything going up? Do mm-hmm. you not understand how anything works? No, like, they don't. Like, they don't understand how life works. No, and and you know, and these people that that support it or whatnot, you know, if it was their children working in those factories, by God, they would want change. But it's it's all about you know having the thing, and you know, it, it's look here, case in point. All right, and and I'm guilty of this. All right, so. A while back, I was watching reviews, you know, for like cheap guitars. I love cheap guitars and modding them. All right. So I come across, across this company called Glary, and they have a guitar that I shit you not is $69.99. And I'm like, oh, that looks kind of cool. And I watch reviews and it's actually built very well. $69. So I order it. I get it in like three to five days. It's in perfect condition. It plays just fine. 
the where they cut corners is the electronic components and stuff are really shitty and cheap. But guess what? I went and bought um, something that was actually made here in the United States, uh, seventy five bucks to upgrade the electronics. Slapped it on for hundred and fifty dollars. I have a guitar that will outperform a thousand dollar guitar that's made in America. So yeah, well, there, there there are situations where the the quality is starting to catch up. Yes. And that's scary because, you know, for a long time, and, and like I said, I'm just using guitars because I worked in it for a long time, many years ago, there were companies that were making knockoffs of American instruments that were so good and almost surpassed what we had here that there were lawsuits and they're banned. You can't sell them in the United States at all because, and, the, and they were cheaper. And, and in those situations, that wasn't like sweat labor. This was people that, because most of the stuff I'm talking about really comes from like Japan, where, I mean, they're, they're yeah, they work a lot, but they don't screw their people over like some countries do. But <clears throat> the quality's there, but at a yep. cheaper price, because they're not, oh, you know, like I said, a $2,500 guitar that's made in America, I could see what the actual profit margin was. And th there were guitars that were marked up like $1,000. So it's not that the cost of making this thing is that much. It's greed by saying, oh, yeah. we can sell for $1,000 more than we made it. Yes. You know, and it's I crazy. Had, I had a guy, I, had a, I actually did an interview on a guy today, you know, mid-40s, you know, two kids, wife, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, he's had this epiphany in life that, you know, he's always, you know, always worked 80-hour weeks and was in insurance and made all this money and had to have, and, and he has nothing to show for it because they had to keep up with the Joneses and had to buy the, the most expensive. It had to be the most expensive. Couldn't be something equally as good. And he's like, I literally have nothing to show for any, for, you know, all of all the work I've done in my life. And most people here don't other than gray hair and PTSD. Correct. And, you know, as far as how it affects employees, you know, especially like, you know, it brought up, you know, the supply chain and the embargoes and the tariffs. Okay. You know, yeah. you had brought up the tariffs, the amount of jobs that were lost in the yes. retail sector, because like you said, there's a trickle down effect. Okay. So we're not getting the merchandise in. So the stores aren't full. The things that people want are not there. The sales so go down. And we're back to where we've started at the the very beginning of this whole thing, which were your employees are a controllable expense and they're the first thing to go. Correct. And that's what, you know, these people that come in complain that you're out of something. They don't understand that being out of that thing for a long period of time affects somebody's quality of life and well-being because there's chances people's hours are going to get cut or people are going to lose their jobs or these businesses are going to shut down. Correct. But they do not care. No. And and they and they also they also don't care that we are so that everywhere is so short staffed. I'm not just saying where I work, although I'm struggling right now. I got six people on staff. That's four members of management and two associates. Correct. They also don't care that you don't have somebody to follow them into the restroom and wipe their hiney for them. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not your personal shopper. That's not what I'm here for. I can take you to where what you need is, but no, I'm not pushing the cart around for you. No, I'm not picking out your stuff for you. No. And 
and they are offended because you don't have enough people. Right. And I mean, <laughs> but, but, and there again, they're complaining to the wrong people. You know, right. you need to write corporate and say, why do you not have people here to serve us? Quit yelling at the people in the stores. Quit yelling at the cashiers. Quit yelling at the, the stock guy that's on the aisle straightening, you know, sweating because he's been running, you know, for 10 hours straight, just trying to do what he can do or the managers. And that's something that we talked about before we started this, yep. you know, it, the trickle down effect, all this is, okay, you've got managers that are now as a manager, most of us know that when we take that position, there's going to be things that are hard and, and, and we're going to have to cover stuff. And, and, you know, sometimes it sucks and, and you kind of have in your mind, well, this is what you sign up for, but it's gotten to the point where it's punitive and that's not what you signed up for because these corporations don't care that you're not able to hire anybody. These things they I, want done still need to be done. And like you told me, you said it's Wednesday. You've got all your hours in already for the week. Yes. And you still got, what, three days to go? Yeah, I'm still working Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm probably working Sunday. I have had one full entire day off since Memorial Day. And see, and, and that's the thing. And these retailers just, and they'll use that excuse. Well, you know how retail is. And, and, and when you signed up to be a manager, you understood these things. No, that's just an excuse because they don't care. No. They do not care. You know, and, and it's funny how people in, you know, above positions look at stuff like, for instance, the last job I had, I worked like 15 days straight and I asked my supervisor who was kind of like a district manager, Hey, do you mind, you know, if I take, you know, my two days off, it would have been like a Sunday and a Monday back to back. Okay. Sundays, we were only open five hours. We didn't do shit for business or whatnot. And I had worked like 10 hour days for that entire stretch. And I was told no, because as a manager, I should have been there on the weekend day. And that flew all over me because it's like, dude, seriously, you, you got no problem with managers working the, these stretches. There's not a thank you. There's not a, hey, we'll get you a break or we'll send some coverage. There was none of that shit. But by God, when you come out of that and you've got people in the building and then you can take two days off, oh, hell no. How dare you do that? And I'm like, and I'm like, you know, thinking, like I said, I apparently keep causing shit storms at work <laughs> because I'm not, I'm not putting up with it. I yeah. can't hire. I it, need someone. And it, I mean, it basically came down to the fact of today that I said, Someone needs to come to my store and help me because I can't even get five minutes to sit down and call people for interviews and try to track people down because I got five fucking people in my store and I got six trucks in eight days and mm -hmm. I don't have time for it. Well, Russell just brought up something from like Dollar Tree. Um, and, and this happens a lot of places. So, you know, you've got a district manager, you know, they should be able to step in and run some of these stores to give people breaks. Oh, but hell no. You will not see a district manager be like, hey, look, man or ma'am, you've worked, 
so many days. We we can't get you any help. Look, you need a day off. I'm going to come run your store for a day so you can get a breather. Oh, shit. That does not happen anywhere. Nope. nope. And, you know, it's just like, and when you talk about government regulation, I think there should be some sort of government oversight to these companies that decide, okay, we're going to lay off half our workforce. Yes. You know, there's because these companies are acting with impunity and just to protect their bottom line and, and they'll get, and, and like I said, you know, we talked about how hard it is to hire people before we, you know, came on stream and there is still some poetic justice to all this that retailers, what they did was when COVID hit and profits dropped, they laid people off in mass and they used this excuse. They said, well, the administration, the government has enacted these extra unemployment benefits that will help you through this time when we let you go. So, th- and that was done to me. That was the exact spill I got. Okay. But now you can't hire anybody because the trust between employees and corporations has went through the fucking floor. And now you want to use the same thing you pushed people out to do as the excuse why you can't get anybody to come work for you. And nobody bats an eye. That's, I mean, that is poetic justice right there. I mean, it is. So, you know, South Carolina ended the extended unemployment at mm-hmm. the end of Okay. Correct. But you know what? But you know what happened in July? <laughs> uh, so they're getting the the child tax credit. Correct, but everybody's so getting that that has kids. Right. So if unless your child you opt is out, is between zero and five, you're getting three hundred dollars a month. If your child is between six and seventeen, you're getting two hundred fifty dollars a month. Correct. Now, with that being said, do I blame any parents that choose not to come to work? Because that extra $750, if they had to come to work, they have to find childcare. Um, Working in retail and having, you know, needing to work nights and needing to work weekends, half the time you can't get childcare at nights and weekends. Exactly. So, and if you do, the amount of money it costs, it's not worth it. No, it, it, it literally does not pay for them to turn around and give that $750 back when they're really probably not going to make that much in a month working part-time in retail. Right. Well, this is something that I've had to literally like break down to my boss because he doesn't have a clue to corporate because they don't have a clue. And I'm like, you need to understand the position that we're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that ended, but this started. And if they have kids, they can't come work some varied schedule 25 hours a week and have to try to find childcare. True. Well, you know, the interesting thing, you know, you bring up about how the states have ended the unemployment. You know what the funny thing has been about that is they're not the the service industry and the retail industry, they're not seeing any bump in applications. No, we're not. And that's because people got tired of being treated like shit. Now, Hero and Iron Maiden both kind of touched on the fact that they understand both sides, but it sucks equally for, you know, you guys, well, it sucks more to you guys that are actually working. Yes, that sucks. But the solutions are simple and you're working for companies that are never going to do the simple thing. 
All right. right. They're going to make shit way too hard. And right. they expect more out of you guys instead of them as an entity trying to make it lucrative for an employee to want to work there. And it is more than just how much money you make. It, it, it are, do, you, do you have affordable benefits and are they good? Um, how are you treated? What is your time off policy? You know, how many hours am I guaranteed? You know, Irish Connection talked about how there they have contracts. They're guaranteed X amount of hours. Here, there's no such thing. A company could call you today, mad dog, and tell you these people you got that you're giving them 30 hours, they get 10, and you can't do a damn thing about it. You can advocate for them all day long, but you've got to do what they tell you to do because that's your ass on the line. Correct. Instead of just doing the right thing. So it's a horrible situation in retail all the way around. The workers yes. are still getting screwed. All right. Managers are getting screwed. And I don't see it getting any better. And I'm not one for, you know, a bigger government involvement. But the retail sector has gotten so completely out of hand that somebody needs to gain a hold of it and level the playing field. Because, yes, we talk about tariffs and we talk about prices going up and we talk about not being able to get merchandise in. The store employees are the ones that are suffering, not the corporate people. Oh, absolutely. You know, Peter Griffin isn't getting let go because his stores don't have any merchandise in it. You no, know, and that was bad. Yeah, and so it's one of those deals, like, for instance, I went into the decor store and visited. I hadn't been in there in a while, and I walk in, and I, the place looks like it's going out of business. It's empty everywhere, and I talked to one of the employees that was there when I was there before, and he said, they're only getting one truck a week, blaming it on there's a shortage of drivers. Well, seeing how 75 to 80% of what they sell is all import merchandise, it, it's probably a shortage of drivers and product that's made it you know, onto the docks. Yep. But what they'll do is they'll cut hours in that store, but the district manager's not losing any money. The regional vice president's not losing any money. The, the you know, on up the chain, well, store, and store level's getting shit on. <coughs> Since they just sold, you know, the CEO, he didn't lose any money. He got, he already got his money. No, no. And, and, you know, it, it's, they, they, they expect so much out of the employees in the stores. But, you know, like Russell brought up, you know, those DMs aren't going to come in and do any work. Those DMs aren't going to come in there and get dirty. They're not going to run a store for you to give you a break. They're not going to show up one day and say, hey, you know what, man, give me your keys. Go home for the rest of the day. I'll meet you here in the morning. You get your keys and you open up. You, you've done, there is none of that. No. None of that. And they'll be like, hey, reward your, your, your team. Go buy them pizza. And you buy them pizza. And then a week later, oh, you just rewarded your team. Now you got to cut all their hours. Right. I mean, come on, man. I mean, it's, it's all of it still comes down to regardless of what the government regulation is, regardless of its tariffs, regardless of its payroll taxes, regardless of whatever, it is the little guy and gal in these stores that continue to suffer from those fiscal policies and, and the different things that they put into play. And, we still got Karens coming in yelling at people. They don't care. No. You know, it's like, and you, like you said, how come everything's made in China? Because, Karen, you keep buying a shit ton of it. <laughs> well, and because you won't pay what the price of an American item costs. No. 
They won't. No, they, they, they really won't. Why, why is everything so expensive? And then what happens is American manufacturers try to cut their costs <laughs> to compete, and then the quality of what they manufacture goes to shit. Right. And so then again, people start losing jobs. Correct. And it's, it's just a travesty because, I mean, you know, having been a manager most of my career, I mean, I understand what some of you guys are going through. It, it sucks. I mean, it's bad. It was bad enough being a store manager before all, the bottom fell out. Okay. It's even worse now because they're just expecting you to work yourself into the ground for nothing. And they're not going to do anything for you. It's not, you know, it's not like they just decide, hey, you know what? You worked. We've put you through hell. Here's just an extra grand. You know, here's the thank you. No. And that's what I was going to say earlier before we got on was that, okay, so now we have raised just in the one year since I've been at my company. We are now raising starting pay from when I took that store over, it was $850. Mm -hmm. we are now up to $12. But. I didn't get any more money. So I'm running this ship on nothing. Mm-hmm. I am running myself into the ground. I ain't got shit. Yeah. So, so they're increasing the starting pay to get people in the building, but they don't want to do anybody to reward the employees that have built up with the bullshit so far. Correct. Yeah. And uh, Iron Maiden just said those DMs and RVPs and CEOs were all told you just need to stay on top of people. Don't get your hands dirty and they will die on that cross. Yes, they will. will. And uh, there are so many of them that I've said numerous times they forgot where they came from. Which that's how I started that shit storm today that turned into a conference call with HR and recruiting and the entire district because I got on the phone and said, this is not working. Somebody needs to come down here and help. I'm trying to actually run the business. And by the way, I'm up like, I don't know, 27% quarter to date so far in sales. Cause I'm, it's, it's been, I had a $7,500 Tuesday. Right. You know, so <clears throat> I'm working open to close. Um, working every day. I'm coming in on my days off. I'm like I said, I came in. On the 4th, just to go back to the back and open freight to make sure that I got the that last of that sixth, sixth truck out because I had another truck coming today. Now, think about this. Imagine if you had a husband and kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, Which, you know, you're, you're gone. You know, yeah. you're, nobody sees you. And um, as far as DMs go, I, I know Russell has a different opinion of this gentleman, and he is entitled to it because the things he speaks of happened after I was long gone. But in my entire career, I've had one district manager, one, and you didn't have to ask him. When inventory time came, he would show up, and he would work your back room. He would, he would go through and get stuff ready for inventory. He'd go through the boxes, scan all the merchandise, label the outside. And he did that, A, because it helped him out because inventory is such a thing, hard thing to prepare for. And, you know, when you have very little employees and very little payroll, but he also did it to help out the stores and would, and be there seven, eight hours sweating in a stock room with no air. And then, He'd leave and he'd be like, you know what? I'll be back tomorrow. In my entire career, that is the only district manager I have ever had 
that did any amount of consistent work. Okay. Um, yes. Um, Lurch showed up, you know, because he had to and pulled some pallets and stuff, you know, for a few hours one day, but that was about it. And for a few hours, it was for a few minutes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. George told you the inventory was the biggest part of their bonus. Well, sure. But there's no DM I've ever had that would ever do that bonus or not. Well, and so I've got inventory coming up. Mm-hmm. The end of the month. Yep. My inventory is on July the 28th. But guess where I'm going to have to be on July 26th? At another store or at a meeting? At, at another store with their inventory. Mm-hmm. Two days before mine. Yeah. So we get sent to our closest sister store to facilitate them when I have six people on staff right now and I'll be two days away from my inventory. Wow. That's where I'll be. That makes no sense. Oh, it never does. And, you know, it's, it's, and, and there again, uh, you know, all these things that we've talked about tonight, whether it be the health care, whether it be, you know, tariffs, cost of goods, whole nine yards, it still comes down to the guys that work, guys and gals that work in the stores. They're the one who's suffering. You're, you're, you're taking the abuse from the Karens and Kyles who are mad because the shit from China isn't there. You're taking shit from the higher up saying you're not doing enough and we're not going to do anything to support you. It's just a clusterfuck is what it is. Yeah. And somebody needs to, to, to gain hold of it because it's allowed to continue. I mean, retail is one of the few businesses out there that this shit is just allowed to continue. You know, they're allowed to buy television time talking about how it's unemployment's fault that nobody wants to come work. I haven't seen a damn major news network say, Hey, maybe it's because you guys suck and how you treat people. And maybe if you change your ways, people would want to work for you. You got people now who worked in retail, who got out of it because of COVID and got laid off and all sort of shit. They would much rather, you know, be, do Uber or DoorDash or whatever to set foot back in a, another retail establishment and get treated like shit by the customers and the company. Well, and I mean, you know, how many different retailers did you work for? Too many. Right. And why is that? Because you got treated like shit at one, so you went to another. Correct. And then you got tired of their shit and you went to another. So, Correct. I mean, <laughs> it, that's what that's what you did. Yeah. Well, in, in some of those situations, it wasn't as much that I got treated like shit. Some of it was strictly monetary because there for a while, the only way you increase, because you know this, you, you, get, you get hired as a manager and here's your salary. Boom. And then your review comes and it's like 2% and it's like nothing. Yep. I mean, and, and, and so the only way you really can advance and really make more money is to go somewhere else that's going to pay you a higher wage. Right. And, and that was a large part of, you know, my journey was doing that. And, yep. and now true, there were some that treated me like shit. Um, you know, uh, it, I left Dollar Tree originally because the clientele was terrible and, and it, I just wasn't in a good place. And I went to a clothing place, which I discovered I might as well had went straight to hell and called the district manager I'm talking about, you know, in the stock room after a year saying, look, I've had enough of this shit. You need somebody. And it just so happened the store that I ran prior was open again. And back I went and took a pay cut. <laughs> you know, so um, the vicious cycle indeed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, 
it, something has to be done. I mean, it's part of me. I mean, for all you guys that are still in it, I don't want to see anything bad happen overall because, you know, you guys have jobs and bills to pay and things like that. But a large part of me wishes online would just take over completely and all these brick and mortars just shut the fuck down. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, let these companies go bankrupt. Let's see some of these CEOs out, you know, on the street with a cup, you know, asking for donations or some shit. You know, you gotten rich off walking on the backs of employees. Yes. You know, maybe maybe it's your turn. You know, it's uh, it's just one of those deals where I wish it could be better for everybody. And Iron Maiden says, and each retailer has their own bag of bullshit that you have to take and carry around. Correct. Hero says they'll just replace us with robots. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. Don't think for a minute that these companies, they're talking about, we need, we're going to pay X amount of money, and we're going to do all this, and we're going to make it better. The soonest, the, as soon as they can automate this shit for a one one payment thing, you know, they pay for all these machines one time, and they don't have continuous payroll, shit. <laughs> You're gone anyway. I was watching something yesterday on YouTube, uh, and this guy was showing what it's like to live in Japan. And in Japan, they have stores that do not have employees. True. Like, but, but, it's like a, little conven- like a little bodega or whatever, and you walk in and it's self-checkout, and it already knows what you have in your hand. When you walk up, because I mean, the eye in the sky, everything's watching you. So when you walk up, when you get within a certain distance of that machine, it rings you up. Well, I'm, I'm calling this now. I want everybody to remember this date. Store managers are the next to go. Yes. What's going to happen is you're going to have clusters of stores. And you're going to have the one person who kissed the most ass become like a multi-unit store manager. Yes. And they're going to make you, you're going to be like a mini DM and they're going to have key carriers and, and like hourly assistant managers that they pay to keep the thing running. And then whoever this manager is, is may have to close at, you know, such and such store once a week or whatnot, but store managers, you got to think about the biggest expenditure these retailers have is the salaries they pay their store managers. Don't think for a minute, they're not trying to find a way to get rid of that shit. Yeah, but see, I don't think I don't with with us salaried little schlups. I don't think they're going to do that because they know that they can put that demand and that expectation out that you have to cover whatever can't be covered. You know, when when the dude walked out and he was supposed to close and I got to work open to close, you're getting a whole hell of a lot out of me. For that little oh, bit that, that you paying. There'll still be store managers, but there won't be one in every store. No. You'll you'll you might have a store manager that say that runs three stores. You'll you'll see that start to go away. And you know, if if the cost of self checkouts comes down, you're gonna wind up having stores that there's not a cashier one at all, and you're going to have maybe a manager, an assistant manager, and X amount of people to stock. And that's going to be it. And, you know, Karen's going to be mad because ain't nobody there to help her. And corporate who tends, awesome. tends to kiss their ass all the time, all of a sudden going to be deaf and, and not care that Karen's pissed off. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, that's, that's how it's going to be. And so 
a lot of these people that aren't going back to retail, they know that. So why set yourself up for something that you know is going to get eliminated anyway? Right. So well, we were just asked to give a. <clears throat> we had to fill out a form about companies in the area and how much they're starting people out at, so mm-hmm. that they could kind of see what's going on in our area and why everybody's having such trouble hiring because the Walmart down the road from me over near the decor store is paying $15 an hour. Right. And the Chick-fil-A is only hiring full-time people. They're paying their benefits and they're giving them $13 an hour. Damn right. The Burger King is paying now $13 an hour because they're right beside the Chick-fil-A, but they're getting a sign-on bonus. Mm-hmm. Well, with any of that shit. Well, and here's the thing too th- that nobody's talking about. So all these retailers, all of a sudden, are like, "We're going to pay more because we need help." How long do you think that's going to last? What's going to wind up happening is there, you know, eventually there'll be employees, all right, and then all of a sudden they'll quietly start hiring people back in at like eight bucks an hour, and then what's going to happen is you're going to have people pissed off because this person makes $12 an hour. That's what they're hired at. And this person doing the same job is making eight because retail is just uh, run by a bunch of fuck, fuck tarts. You know, that, yeah. that, that mess is going to happen when they figure out they can start, stop paying so high. They're going to, that's why it's well, important for the minimum wage to go up federally. So they're not allowed to. Right. Well, and you know, what's hard in our area is, you know, we have, we have the car plant, that's no longer going through the temp agency Mm -hmm. and they're direct hiring at $4 more an hour than they were getting through the temp agency. So now, you know, they're bringing them in at 21, 21 an hour or 22, 21 an hour for third shift. We've got the three implant who I saw on Facebook. They're bringing people in at $25 an hour, Mm -hmm. you know, but but you know hero just made a valid point too all right and then this is something that needs to be brought up in this discussion as well okay cool you're paying all these people off the streets twelve dollars an hour all of a sudden you need as a company to proportionately raise every employee in that building's pay the same way correct and they're not and that's a problem. I was, on the phone, I was on the phone with the head of HR today because I have someone who I would like to make full time. But I said, with that, I want to take them to what we're offering these new people coming in the door. Right. And she was like, yeah, we don't normally do that. They're, they're, them going full time is enough. And I was like, no, because guess what? He's already been working full time hours because I don't fucking have anybody. Right. And see, and that's the thing. Once again, plausible deniability creating a mess and drama in these stores that they're just going to wash their hands of, you know, and that's always been a thing, you know, for, for years, you know, if, if all of a sudden you've got somebody who's made $15 an hour for say two or three years and you know, your average rate of, let's say you started hiring people originally at $8 an hour, right? Yep. So now you're hiring them for 12. Well, that $15 an hour person needs to go up to 19. Yes. That's the way uh, that should work. Manager, The salaried manager needs to go up. It, it, it needs to scale up all the way through. Correct. 
and it's and, and it's not. And and so what's happening is they're creating drama for you. Yes. Because that's what's well, going to happen. Or you're going to lose good employees. Correct. Because you're just trying to hire a body for $12 an hour, and your good employee who's worth every bit of it says, fuck this, I'm out. Yes, which was my exact point on the call. On the call, I said, I, I can't afford to lose anybody else. And she was like, well, he's been tardy. I said, okay. And? And see, that's the thing. He's here. He's been tardy. And he's a rock star when he's here. Yeah. He, see, that's the other thing. You know, they want to use attendance policies and time and all this stuff against, to use it as a reason why nobody can get ahead. But then when, when it comes to you trying to terminate someone because of bad attendance, they don't want to do it. Nope. They sure don't. So it's, it's all fucked up, you know? Yeah. And, and I guess we're going to see where it goes. But having said that, we're sitting at an hour 15, folks. This has been a good one. Um, don't know what we're doing next Wednesday yet. Uh, I'll, I'll figure something out. So, um, I want to thank Mad Dog for being on. Like I said, the topics for tonight, the, these were hers. Uh, you know, she had suggested this. Um, and, you know, once again, it just proves that it doesn't matter what the higher-ups do. It's still the stores, the stores and the store employees that suffer. And that's a conversation you guys need to be having if you're in retail. You know, if if you're watching this, you know, you come across this video you know, if you find out that the company you're working for is all of a sudden hiring people at $12 an hour and you were hired at eight and you haven't got, you need that money. And, and I think that's fair. And, um, you know, that's a movement that needs to take place all the way up to the managers. So just no retail corporations, your time's coming. It, it, you're starting to feel the squeeze now, but let's see where we are in about another year. But hopefully, well, by the next time we do the war zone, I've got a poll that I put on Reddit that um, I was kind of interested to see what everybody thought with us being a little less than five months away to Black Friday. I asked how people thought it was going to be this year. They were given three options. One was it's going to be crazier and more off the chain and unhinged than before, or it's going to be pretty mild or it's going to be a total bust because online completely has taken over so so far the winning vote is everybody's gonna be more unhinged so we'll we'll see what the results of the poll are next week so a hero says quit for two weeks and offer them to hire you back yeah that's a sneaky way to do it but so i want to thank mad dog for being on here um we will return on monday night with a misfit lounge with addicts i don't know what we're going to discuss there and then wednesday we will be back in the war zone uh real quick everybody Go get you a shirt. They're beautiful. I have the employees are more than a controllable expense shirt. The wife has the dear customer shirt. They're awesome. Irish got his shirt and said he wore it to work underneath his work shirt. So that's awesome. So good times there. Um, you know, I still work. I still haven't done the war zone challenge shirt yet. And, uh, I'll get that done. And I think, um, I'm going to have us a, a war zone coffee mug coming soon. That'll be fun. Cause a lot of us drink coffee. So I know I do. It'd be kind of cool to be sitting on, you know, it's like a Jay Leno kind of thing or whatnot. I'll have a branded coffee mug as I'm sitting here doing this. So anyway, guys, everybody have a great night and we will see you next time.